but it's Advent, right? And kids, when I was at when I was um, growing up, um, the church I went to, we lit candles, four candles, over the period of um, Advent. So we have these are what these um, candles represent at the front. Um, the four weeks leading up to the birth of Jesus, the Advent. It's like the coming. Advent is like the coming of a king. You you await and you you expect and you celebrate the coming of of a king. That's what Advent is all about. Um, so you light each candle once once a week for the first four weeks. So Tim, I reckon I could interest you in in light because you like lighting candles. Do you want to come up and light this next candle? Yeah. So get the pyro to uh, light a candle, and um, you'll get him in get him involved. Here you go. You can take a match and light. So this is the second candle. Does any for for bonus points? Does anyone know what each of the candles stands for? There's four there's four things they stand for in the four weeks of Advent. Anyone anyone know? I actually only learnt this this week. Um, that that one there, that tall one. Right. So the first candle, which technically we lit last week. I'll hold it like that for you. The first candle which we lit last week stands for hope. Good one, Timbo. Go, blow it out. Okay, and I have set off that smoke detector right there before. Um, so, yep, about 10, 15 years ago. Um, all right, that, thanks, Timbo. Good one. All right, so you've lit the second candle. The first one was hope. This second candle we just lit today stands for joy, rep- or represents joy. Um, the third candle represents um, peace, and the fourth candle, the last one, represents right. Good guess. Yeah, <laughs> love. Um, so that yeah, that's that's where we're going. So yeah, I used to love that aspect of um, church growing up, having the having the lit candle. So it's a Christmas wreath with um, four you know, four candles. So. Yeah, so we're going to ask this question. When, so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. These candles, they represent um, light and Jesus being the light of the world. And if I got you to answer, if I if I ask you to sort of write down something, you know, what does Jesus even mean by I am the light of the world? Uh, chances are, unless you've kind of looked into it, you'd probably say something vague like, you know, you, know, you probably meant, you know, like he shows the way, you know, some Marbo vibe type thing you know kind of you know shows the way in the darkness uh, i can kind of follow him he shows you know that kind of thing i expect that's what you'd say i'm not sure if you'd say anything else if you would say something else hold it to yourself because we'll get there um, that's what we're doing this morning we're unpacking this idea of what did jesus mean when he said i am the light of the world and i guess he does mean that in some vague kind of i'll follow it, you know show you the way but there's way more to it it's really interesting so we're going to just track through this um, some of the verses in John where this theme of light and darkness comes and we're going to unpack this I'm the light of the world concept. So oh, I've got the I've got the clicker. I was about to say to Richie, go to the next slide. But um, I think I can do it myself. Maybe. <clears throat> oh, is that me or is that you? Okay, theme of light and darkness. There we go. All right, so first one is John 1. So this is Sally's question. John 1, what does it say in John 1? Well, let's have a look. If you've got your Bible, feel free to um, have a read. John 1, or most people will got, use an app these days. Um, if you don't have an app, version is probably one of the best apps for reading the Bible on your phone. Um, so download it. Uh, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. What on earth is that? The Word was with God. 
and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So this word, whatever that John is talking about here, is the source of all creation. Verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that's what it says in John 1 about the light. The light shines into the world, um, and the darkness has not overcome it. The life was the light of all humankind. So John is introducing this theme of, um, of light and dark in, in, in his gospel. And so that's what we're kind of exploring. The light, lights come into the world. It's the light of all humans. Um, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Next one is um, check out John chapter 8, verse 12. Uh, this is the verse we're actually interested in today. Um, this is the one where John said, where Jesus, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Um, <clears throat> I'll just read it, but we'll unpack it in a sec. John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That sounds good. I am the light of the world. That's what he said. All right, next one. John 12, 44 to 46. Kind of unpacking the theme of light and dark. John 12, 44 to 46. Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, Jesus says, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. That's pretty much what he, John said in, in John chapter 1. That's building on it. Okay, let's keep going. And we're going to look at more in detail in John 8, John 8, 12 in a sec. John 18, 1 to 3. This is interesting. don't know if you've ever noticed this before. John 18, 1 to 3. Um, so um, Jesus is... Um, oh, I feel like I've missed one. John, anyway, whatever. John 18, 1 to 3. Um, <clears throat> Jesus had finished praying. The one I missed was in... Um, I don't know what the verse is, but anyway, Jesus is doing the um, Last Supper with his disciples, and it, as part of the Last Supper, uh, he comes they're doing all sorts of. There's this interesting moment in. Has anyone ever done a Passover? Got a sort of Messianic Jews or whatever to do a Passover um, meal? Some of us have. So there's this part you can do a Passover meal and you get this experience of what it would have been like with, for Jesus's first followers to do the Passover. And there's as this key moment where it, part of the Passover meal, there's this enacted moment where someone is instructed to leave the house and they're meant to go out and wait and then come back in later. It's like part of, part of the meal. And so interestingly, we have here, Jesus basically says to Judas, go, what you're about to do, go and do it. And so Judas gets up and goes out. And so that wouldn't have been surprising because that's part of the Passover um, thing is someone goes out and comes back later. Um, and in John's Gospel, he says, um, when, when, as Jesus goes, Jesus went out 
And John says, and it was night. It's just like ominous kind of, that, that's the moment when darkness um, came. It was night. That would have been a good one to include. Anyway, John 18, 1. Um, when he had finished praying, Jesus, let, this is just after that, um, that Passover meal, when, it, when that was all finished, he'd finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was a garden and he's, he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, knew that place because Jesus often met there with the disciples. Um, so they've gone into a garden and Judas know, knows about it, he's just gone out. Um, if if we're if there's a story about a garden, Steve, what is that almost certainly trying to get us to think about? Right, Genesis, the Genesis of one, two, and three story of the Garden of Eden. All right, so John's saying there, there's this garden that they went to. Judas knew where it was. Um, so Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some of the officials and the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Now, Steve, this is for like super massive bonus points. I've become convinced that there's an, another allusion to the garden going here. When you're thinking of a, uh, something at the garden after they've been kicked out, there's like there's something to do with swords. As an angel, and what was the angel doing? With what? Right with this sword, with this flashing sword, this flaming sword. And so when when so, that, so when the first humans got kicked out of the garden, there's an angel guarding the garden so they can't come back in and they've been guarded with a flaming sword, it says in Genesis. And so John here is like, the, the soldiers come to this garden with lanterns, torches and swords and it's like, John definitely wants us to hear this is something going on. This is a new garden moment where Jesus is taking us back into, Jesus is the way back into the garden and the way back into the garden is actually through death. And so all these themes are um, coming together. So I love this light and dark theme that's happening. And, and then the last one, which is perhaps less obvious, um, John chapter 20. Interestingly, in John's Gospel, you know, there's this moment where Jesus is being crucified in some of the other Gospels where darkness comes over the land at the sort of in the hours sort of leading up to the crucifixion. Um, it's not mentioned in John, which is interesting because this seems to be one of John's themes. I think what he does is he places it at the, um, and it was night. He kind of goes with the night theme there. Anyway, so John chapter 20, um, this is the resurrection. where John's, The beginning of John's resurrection account, early on the first day uh, of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed. So there's, so there's this thing happening early on the first day of the week, right, um, while, while it was still dark, right. So um, for more, I'm not going to pick on Steve anymore, but for more bonus Bible nerd trivia points, first day of the week, still being dark, what is this a reference to? Can you think of any? Right, Genesis. So the Genesis creation story is a seven-day story and the thing that happens on the first day of the week is God says, Let's let, let there be light and he separates the light and the darkness. So John again is, is drawing us to this new, this, this new creation thing and the resurrection is the ultimate new creation moment where God is actually recreating, um, where Jesus is being sort of brought back from the dead. This, 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 new, this is the first fruits of new creation. That's what Paul wants us to understand about the resurrection. It's this, it's this ultimate recreation moment. And John puts it um, in, a gar- in the garden again, 
um, there's a gardener. Mary's looking for a gardener. There's this garden type vibe going on. There's a there's light dawning on the first day. It's the first day of the week. All these all these themes rush together. So I love it. So the theme of light and dark is all the way through John. If you want to um, keep looking for it. So what I wanted to do is zone back in on um, John 18:12. And so I've got a picture there, which is very hard to see, but it's um, it's inviting you to think about this festival, um, the Jew- a Jewish festival, um, which Jesus is speaking at. So let me go back to John 8. Um, John 8:12. So this is the continuation, probably, of a of a festival which has been um, described already, and it's called the Festival of Lights. So you see, like heaps of people there carrying. They actually look like candles, but even though candles weren't invented until much later than this. But they would have had lanterns, like oil lanterns with oil and, and a rag, a wick, and lots of lanterns lighting up the temple space. And so Jesus, in the midst of this, um, in the midst of this temple celebration of lights, Jesus gets up, gets up. Maybe, maybe you could imagine him on the on the steps, or you know, in the court of women, where there would have been heaps of dancing and carrying on, and this massive festival celebration. Jesus gets up. And he proclaimed, I am, see all these lights everywhere? How cool is it? I, I am actually the light of the world. These lights that we're celebrating, they're, they're actually all about me. I am the light of the world. And they're like, whoa, ri- what? What? Are you serious? And the, what's more interesting and adds even more kind of um, layer to this is the celebration of the um, Festival of Lights is all about an exodus experience of light. Um, so the Exodus experience of light is, let's have a read of it. It's in Exodus 12, where um, the story goes that Israel has been enslaved in Egypt um, and God does a whole bunch of powerful works in the midst of the Egyptians such that um, Israel is set free. So there's a whole bunch of, there's 10 plagues in um in the Exodus story, this, does anyone know what the second last plague is? I'm kind of, it's kind of implied by what we're talking about. Remember a, a plague that relates to what we're talking about? There's the plague of, this is the ninth plague, the plague of darkness, where darkness comes over the land and they can't see. Um, and then the tenth plague is the plague of the firstborn, right? So there's this movement from the, that second last plague to that, that last plague. That has all sorts of relevances for, for Jesus and the Jesus story. Um, so after that, they basically Pharaoh says, "Right, you guys, you want to go? Go get get the heck out of here! I don't want anything more to do with you after all the stuff that's gone on. Just go, go and worship your God as you as you want to get out of here." And so they go, um, and they leave in the in the night, um, and they they journey through verse 20 of chapter 13 in Exodus, just as they've they've left. They haven't gone through the Red Sea yet. They've, they've literally just left. Um, and they camp at this place called Succoth. Verse 20, after leaving Succoth, they camped at Ethan on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light, so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So they've just done the Passover, they've just gone through and there's this pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the day. And this is this is what guides them around around the place. 
And that is the festival of light. That's what they're celebrating, the festival of lights, this, this fire, this fiery presence of God. Um, and then God says, you know what, actually, what I want you to do is I want you to turn back and I want you to go back towards Egypt because Pharaoh's going to get all confused and think that they're wandering around aimlessly because that's the only way out is through this, through this sea. And so verse 39, um, after that, the angel of the Lord, sorry, verse 19 of chapter 14, then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, commanding Israel, um, commanding between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Light to the one side, darkness to the other side. This is a Genesis 1 moment. What God does is in Genesis 1 is he says, let there be light in, in, on day one, let there be light, and he separated light and darkness. And so now in this movement out of slavery, what God is doing and what the writer of um, Exodus wants us to hear is that God is doing this new creation thing. He's separating light and darkness and he's using this fire as a way of, as a way of doing it. And so that's the passage that we just read in Exodus 13 and Exodus 14. There's a fire, there's this separation of light and dark. And so what happens in the, in the story, if you guys know the story, some of you guys will know it well, maybe others don't know it at all. And that's fine, just read the book of Exodus to work it out. Um, so after this moment of this fire, this separating fire, what happens next? Does anyone know? What's the next major thing which happens in the Exodus story? Crossing the Red Sea. And so what happens, this is just to state the obvious, to put that another way, what happens when they cross the Red Sea? The waters get parted, right? So we have this Genesis 1, Genesis day 1 thing, God separating light and darkness. And then the next thing that happens is the waters are parted. This is a Genesis 3 thing where the where the waters apart and dry land appears so the writer is getting wanting to go to great de- detail to show us that god by rescuing his people is doing this new creation thing he is freeing people from slavery and jesus when he gets up and says i am the light of the world that's what he wants them to understand what does jesus mean when he says i am the light of the world he means that he is this person, this Yahweh embodied human who is finally doing this new creation moment. He is, he is the person through whom all of Israel is going to be freed from slavery. It's not, it's not slavery with, um, with, it's not slavery in Egypt anymore. It's slavery to all sorts of other things. It's slavery under Rome. But even more than that, it's slavery, the power of sin, the power of death, whatever. Thing you want to talk about that can enslave people Jesus is now taking this to a whole other level I am the light of the world Jesus says I'm the one that's going to free you um, from slavery from darkness and we could check that verse out but um, I wanted to I was talking about this during the week with um, the blokes group um, on Wednesday night and um, Richie mentioned how this theme relates to him so I just wanted to get give an opportunity just to kind of share briefly about this concept of light shining in the darkness and how that you know what that means for you uh, it's a <clears throat> sorry it's a, a piece of artwork I did actually as a 
late teenager when I moved to Queensland and uh, my world was sort of turned upside down. Year 11 and 12 in a new school, new state, a lot of things had changed. Um, and I was actually finding depression quite nasty at that point in time. The piece of artwork I did was effectively, if you can think of oozing thick black oil just dripping down a wall, starting slowly but all-consuming, just coming down slowly and everything starting to turn black. Looking out my window from my bedroom, I could see a light on a hill. And when I drew that oil slick or the, the, the goo of darkness of life pouring down, that single light stayed. And I've always seen that light in my life as my faith, my source of light of, of Jesus and God was still there even in that dark, thick goo of life. And I've done a few different interpretations of that piece of artwork over the time, but um, it was instantly what came to mind when Alex was talking earlier in the week. And I just encourage you to re remember that light in the darkness, I guess, even if it's tiny. Thanks. So I thought that was super relevant um, that um, we're talking about Jesus saying I saying of himself, I am the light of the world, and then that phrase is all about freeing people from slavery. And in, in Richie's case, it's about freedom from depression, um, which is often um, associated with darkness. And remember that this light that we lighted today is about joy. All right. How, 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 how much is, is joy this thing which kind of takes us out of, um, out of the darkness? So um, I'll just throw it open to you guys. Please, you don't have to say anything. We can totally do silence. But it's just an opportunity. What, like, is there anything similar maybe for you? Richie was talking about depression that Jesus has kind of broken it, broken him out of. Um, are there other, other experiences that you guys have had? Maybe something to do with joy or something to do with Jesus kind of leading you out of something or into something, um, setting you free. Um, it's an opportunity for you guys to kind of share. I don't know if that's too vague. Um, yep. How has Jesus been maybe a light to you?
so mm. you know um and as I was walking up the stairs to my office I had this feeling that Jesus was walking on the other side of my room right and saying I think you can handle my grandson and it was a profound moment where I literally it's kind of like now you know what it's like to be so alone and to feel so loved and wow. it was like Sarah I was an atheist but that amazing thanks Steve God's doing this stuff with lots of people in lots of different places and we often don't hear about them thanks for sharing So that's super relevant for what Sally was saying this morning about, you know, the, to the kids that Jesus is a light within you and, and you carry this light around. That's awesome. Go, Catherine. Awesome. Mm. Great. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think um, so. There's lots of stories in the room, and, and it's awesome. So please, let's continue to tell each other our stories and. Um, Let's continue to do that. But I know we've gone over time and I just can't resist. Let's sing the song again, Oh Holy Night.
because that was that was on offer, right? You guys were offering to send that song again at the end, right? So let's sing it again. Um, uh, it's, it's Oh Holy Night, right? You know, it's the light coming in the night, and um, the theme is all the way through. So let's sing together, and then we'll um, have some morning tea. Thanks, guys. <laughs>